This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. She is a returning guest. She's been on some live shows and she did a solo show like this three years ago, I believe. Stupid math, stupid forward (laughs) movement of time. It is Audrey Kearns. Hello, Joseph. Thank you so much for uh, coming back and doing another episode with me. I'm excited to talk about obsessions. (laughs) We're both very obsessive people, which practically every time we talk, it's a little mini episode of Obsessed in some way. (laughs) So for people, maybe this is the first time they're hearing you on the podcast or anywhere in Mm -hmm. the world. Can you tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes, I am the founder and editor-in-chief of the pop culture, geek culture website, Geek Girl Authority. Um, We are a great site where we do breaking news, think pieces, and just celebrate nerdiness in what I like to say a very joyful way. I'm also a writer and an actor. I have podcasts out there, Kneel Before Odd, Five Truths, and A Lie. And I'm also uh, a producer of the storytelling show, The Story Collider. Amazing that you should mention that because, brace yourselves, listeners, we have a (laughs) plug we're going to do right at the top of this podcast. And then we're going to plug it again. And then if I was a good marketer, we'd plug it a third time so people remember. Are you a good marketer? Nah. (laughs) nah, I'm I'm two out of three. Two out of three. We'll plug it twice and I'm sure it'll come up again. But yeah, this is one of those uh, rare episodes of Obsessed where we have a show coming up right near when the episode is being Mm -hmm. released. So if you are listening to this in 2022, get yourself a time machine (laughs) and come back to Tuesday, May 15th, right? Yes. So you and I are co-hosting the Story Collider show. Yes. And the Story Collider is a show where we get um, a blend of scientists, uh, people that work in the actual science community, and also from the creative community to tell true personal stories about science and they're uplifting and funny and sometimes very like poignant and sad it's a great celebration of science and it proves that no matter what you do every day science is involved in your life yeah 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 and i've had the honor of seeing the first show you produced here in la because this is a national thing it's got a podcast and there are shows in lots of different venues and you are the producer, the uh, main producer, the one here in Los Angeles. Correct. So I got the opportunity to see your first one, and then I was in your second one, <laughs> uh, and then now I'm co-producing this third one with yes. you. So this, I get to see it from all yes. angles. It's so great. You, you've covered the whole Los Angeles lifetime, which is which is fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to it. I think you know we had a great rehearsal last night. We've got some great stories, and of course, I think you and I are going to be awesome together. I think we're going to co-host yeah. the crap out of yeah. it. Yeah, I think it's going to be the best co-hosting ever done in Los Angeles. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, so info on that is on my website uh, at com on the live shows page. That's a fast way to get right to the ticket link, and if you're actually anywhere in the world... Anywhere in time, you can listen to the Story Collider podcast, and if there's a live show near you, go check it out, because it is a really great, fascinating intersection of science and entertainment, and just seeing all the shows and experiencing them, it reminds me of uh, how much there is greatness in what our similarities are and what our differences are, because you'll see somebody who is a scientist who's like, storytelling so I bring my PowerPoint and you're like no that's not exactly. how this works and you'll see a comedian who's like yeah I, I know story I can break that I can have yeah. the audience in my palm of my hand and I'll come at it from different approaches but then sometimes their story will be like 
That's the same message told in two different ways. Which is a thrill for the audience. You yeah. Because some storytelling shows, which are fantastic, you are getting this pretty much the same approach from all the storytellers. But like you just said, you know, having people that have basically different mindsets and different careers approaching projects in different way, but sharing the same kind of stories. And it's it's a blast, I think, as you know, producing this show. Um, it's challenging and fun to work with people that... Uh, approach stories in a different way working with people that are completely analytical about everything they do yeah. and like you said working with uh, stand-ups who are so ready to it's, it's been such a blast and the show used to just be done in like boston and new york and now it's all over the country so also check out you know check out online to say that um if it's in a city near you and they're Starting a show in New Zealand. Oh, nice. And Vancouver. Global. So, yeah. yeah, it's global then. Once you go to Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Vancouver, New Zealand, you are in. Once you conquer Vancouver, you have the world. All right. So An let's... hour outside the United States. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into your obsession, yes. which is great uh, because we, uh, I, we've been on the podcast before. Sometimes mm-hmm. you've talked about something that you've brought to me. Sometimes I've asked you to do a live show where yeah. I said, can you talk about this general thing? Yeah. But this time when I asked you just right out of the gate, you're like, dystopian stories yes like i i wasn't able to finish yes. my question yeah, I was like, <laughs> what would you like to dystopian stories yeah, right. that's that's a very good description of how the conversation went <laughs> uh so let's talk a little bit about that just starting out i want to hear what your personal definition not what you think like the dictionary definition but for you when you think of a dystopian mm-hmm. story what does that mean to you a dystopian story means to me um a bleak future where some kind of event has happened, um, where humanity in some way has had to start over again, or humanity has already started started over again, and a new society has formed. And okay. it's usually pretty, like I said, bleak. Yeah. And, you know, you, you really see the best and worst in humanity as a it's a struggle to survive yeah. all dystopian stories are a struggle to survive and what direction is humanity going and a good dystopian story has um to me like a lot of creativity in it like um uh, um a made-up world yeah where where things are really different from what we do now i mean the really sad ones that punch you in the gut are like you know what's Los Angeles after, you know, I, those ones are like really depressing, but I like the ones that um, have created a new So you world. like things that are more like uh, maybe more genre like cyberpunk or zombie yeah. apocalypse, not yeah. like it's Los Angeles in 2020 and everything's falling apart. Exactly. Exactly. I think my love of science fiction and fantasy led me to the um, dystopian books and like you said they are usually the ones i enjoy are usually genre involved yeah. in, in in some kind of genre you know there are some that you know hunger games isn't necessarily science fiction or anything like that that's like you know what if society crumbled and was built back up again yeah but it you know? feels like it is. well yeah because the tech is yeah. much more advanced and stuff like that but yeah i do lean towards towards those for sure. Yeah, I think one of the fascinating things to me about all these different dystopians uh, stories, and I and yeah, and there is a difference between like the um, the sort of sci-fi where there's not really uh, not even sci-fi, but like 1984, yeah, which is there's not really an inciting yeah incident yeah uh, so much as the government has turned into this thing that must be toppled mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. 
versus something like on the other end, like The Walking Dead, where all structure has disappeared. Exactly. But to me, what's cool about them is it they're stories that force the characters to actually examine what they as a society want government and structure in human relations to be. And I think mm-hmm. that might be part of the reason that they've become so popular, because I think we as a society in general have n- not been spending as much time with the empowering thought of we get to decide yeah. what society is. We don't yeah. we don't have to just go along with what was decided mm-hmm. 200 years ago, you know, or 300 years, however many years ago mm-hmm. uh, by people who got together and had like a clear vision of like, this is a topic to yeah. be debated and discussed and ha- see people like Rick Grimes, like just normal, like I'm going through life. Here's how life is. Exactly. And, and, and now I have yeah. to make, now it's my responsibility to make these decisions. Yeah. And, and what a person is going to do with that, like um, people, especially in Western society, you know, we're so used to our life and we're so used to the way government works and taxes work and I can go to get some coffee and oh my gosh, I'm getting pulled over for a ticket, but I'm going to follow these rules and everything. Um, When all that's taken away from you, what do you think society should be? Like yeah. Rick Grimes. I mean, he's gone through so many iterations. He's you know? got a lot of ideas. He's got, you know, <laughs> and, and I think, you know, the most hopeful one was at the prison when when he's like, okay, we're just going to have this collective society. But then there's the governor who had a different idea of society. Yeah. And then, of course, there's Negan who has a different idea. So you're faced, everything's been taken away and you realize that all you know, humans have a different idea. Like me, I would be more like, okay, let's set up a camp and everybody take a job. We'll we'll reconnoiter back here at campfire time and we'll we'll share. So you you, know? you envision an all camp counselor society. Exactly. An all camp we'll have activities. Yeah. All badges and marshmallows and you're a nut. Exactly. That's a utopia. Swim time is between three and four before afternoon showers. And you But know. then what do you do when somebody's like no? No, swim time is whenever I say it is. Exactly. Do you shoot that person with an arrow? Oh my no. Or I, build a bamboo prison. No, I turn my back while somebody else does it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just saying I turn my back. I just I'm real passive aggressive to that person. Well, that's somebody no. else's job. Somebody else yeah. gets uh, badges for yeah. shooting people. We'll talk more about your view of dystopian because <laughs> uh, that's one of the fascinating things to me is like I feel like we uh, it's hard not to, and I, I think people absolutely should think about what would I do. I think that's the value of these. Absolutely. Ab- absolutely. And I think, you know, some people would rather call, like Margaret Atwood, who I think is, you know, she's a literary treasure. She doesn't want to be, if I remember correctly, um, associated with dystopia or science fiction. She wants to be associated with speculative fiction, which yeah. is, you know, nitpicking, but um, it is basically speculative fiction. It's a thought experience. Like Urs- yes. Ursula K. Le Guin, she explains um, science fiction as a thought experiment yeah that's you know and that's basically speculative fiction you know so it is a thought experiment what would even something with you know walkers and zombies that's a thought experiment hunger games is a thought experiment you know yeah yeah what would you do and we'll we'll talk more about that but i want to get back to something that you told me last night uh when we were we were meeting for our rehearsal for story collider there i mentioned this uh, may 15th so yeah (laughs) we're so close to the magic three 10 bucks (laughs) um so and you had said, and this was really fun, if if I may be honest, yes. you you and I yeah. were, uh, you know, talking about the show, making some plans. Mm-hmm. We were having a little a nightcap. Yes. And talking about doing this podcast. Yes. 
and this is a fun. It was only twelve hours. It's only twelve hours ago as we were recording this. It was a fun vision in my mind because I was sitting on your couch. You were standing up, and you just said like, "I, I know uh, why I'm obsessed." Yes, is because these yes things are all these stories are about hope, and it's really clear, cool for me because often with this podcast, mm-hmm. it's an exercise in getting down to why people are obsessed. Mm-hmm. So this was just a cool image in my mind of you floating above me with some <laughs> wine in your hand, going, "I know exactly why I'm obsessed." <laughs> I like to know exact things. Well, yeah, you know, the thing is, is I've I've lately done a little offshoot from dystopia because. Um, I lately read these, you know, um, books, um, a lot of Margaret Atwood, you know, The Handmaid's Tales out, and then she has this book, The Mad Adam Trilogy, Oryx and Crate. There's a book out called The Three-Body Problem, um, The Xenogenesis uh, Trilogy, and just name all these books, but <laughs> Octavia Butler, and they're great um, dystopian books of, you know, everything from um, medical cloning, collapse of society to aliens and all that kind of stuff. But as I read them, I got more distressed about humanity because every time they, even Walking Dead stresses me out, you know, now because no matter what anyone tries to do, we defeat ourselves. Yeah. We constantly are defeating it. Like I read the Mad Adam trilogy and I'm just like, I'm done. You know, I read this book called Seven Seven Eves from Neil Stevenson. It's brilliant. But in the end, you know, humanity just, we just are biggest enemies. We're our own enemies. And so my offshoot became YA dystopia. And what I noticed about YA dystopia, whether it was the Hunger Games or, or um, there's a great one out there, the Red Rising trilogy by Pierce Brown. Um, and um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right. Nettie or Nidi Okafor, who wrote Binti. They're about young people in these situations. And the thing about young people is they have hope. Yeah. You know, and when you, you see young people going up against the Goliaths and the monoliths in, in, in the Hunger Games, President Snow. Yeah. And you're filled with hope and you get behind Katniss. And that name stays with you, Katniss. Everybody knows who Katniss is. And so even though these terrible things are happening in the book and people are dying and the world is crumbling, you still see a spark of civilization yeah. that is positive. You know, when you get into hard science fiction like Neil Stevenson, you're just like, oh, my God, we're doomed. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So and lately, I've gotten really into Afrofuturism. Which oh, cool! Is, yeah, so Binti by Nettie Okorafor. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing her name wrong. Um, and so and oh my gosh, it's about. Um, can I say? Oh please. Yeah. Okay, so I'm reading one by her now called Akata Witch, um, but Binti. It takes place way in the future. She doesn't say how far in the future. It's about the Himba tribe. Now the Himba tribe, tribe in in Africa. Um, you, they they take that ochre or okra clay and they put it on their face and it's mm-hmm. like orange, you know, keeps out the sun and keeps the skin moist and everything. So it's about this tribe in the future. They're like the smartest people on the planet. Okay. Right? And they create these things like an astrolabe, which I would say is a super iPhone. <laughs> you <laughs> <Okay>. know, <laughs> it has every... It's called every, an astrolabe? It's called, called an astrolabe. Oh, astrolabe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And... um. So, but they're completely insular and they don't like outsiders or anything like that. So this girl named Binti, she runs away from home at night because she has a chance to go to university, which is a planet that's a whole university. Oh, nice. You know, because there's aliens and everything like that. But they're so insular, she will, she's going to shame her family. They're going to have to shun her because she left. And on, and this is on the back of the 
books. I'm not reading anything. On her way, um, there's a massacre on the ship. Oh, no. And she's thrown into these circumstances where she has the power to save the world. At the same time, her family is shunning her. And it's about this growth. She's a child. I mean, she's college age, which is a child to me. Yeah, like a young and, adult. Yeah. A young adult and, and, and growing into this, what she needs to do to save her planet. And then this other book, Akata Witch, which is more fantasy um it's a, a a young girl from nigeria who's born in new york and she's an albino and she moves back and there's a lot of um cultural issues about albinos in africa yeah and in nigeria where you know you're a witch you're a demon blah 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 well it turns out she finds out that she is magic and there's this whole society called leopard people oh wow who who have magical powers and and so she gets swept up in that world but she can't tell her parents about it and and so it's like it's fantastic and there's another one called Children of Blood and Bone which was in, actually inspired by all the shootings like Trayvon Martin uh, this, okay. this woman was was inspired to write this book about um this world called Orisha or Orisha where um these um if you had magic your hair was white okay right and um uh, what do you call? Uh, they were all killed and their magics taken taken away from them. But there are still some descendants that grow with the white hair. And um, but the, when they go through puberty, you get your magical powers. Um, they're called maggots, magic okay. maggots, and everything. And it's about um, rising up and getting your magic back. Okay, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's hope. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's there's violence and it's horrible, but young people win in the end, and it's awesome. But it's not just tolerating it and yeah. and trying to figure out how to live with a, a boot on your neck, but rather getting that exactly. boot off your neck. And like you said, the ones I'm reading are in these fantastical worlds that are so fun. I yeah. mean, uh, in this, you know, these this wizard world, you know, that's the last two books I meant. In space, yeah. I talked about the one in space, you know, and there's another one called the Red Rising Trilogy, which is really, it'll take me 10 minutes to explain, so I won't. <laughs> um, but that's a fantastic one that tackles the caste system. We've colonized um, the solar system, and uh, these people in power have genetically engineered everyone now. Okay. And the castes are colors like gold, silver, blah, blah, blah. So if you're a gold caste, you're like six foot five, and you have gold hair, gold eyes. Oh, wow. And the red people are the lowest caste, and they, they have red red hair red eyes and they they do menial labor and so it's like rising up in that system yeah. you know and you just got someone to root for and i think that i need that yeah i need someone to root for and sometimes i go to bed i don't have anyone to root for outside of my family yeah you know so i want to read something inspiring yeah you know so when you're reading them do you relate to the young heroes because they're, they're teens they're young adults uh you just said that you feel like a college-age person from your perspective right now is <laughs> still a kid which is you know understandable yeah um do you identify as them do you go to bed thinking like wow if i had these magic powers here's how i'd fight or wow because like, you very... would put yourself in them if you were a teen still when you were reading them right you know that's a really good question and i'll I'll answer it truthfully, not that I lie. <laughs> but that's very interesting and actually kind of uh, hit me in the, the heart there because I was very quiet as a teenager and quiet in college. I was, was very, you know, I was very easy to be bullied. Um, I didn't have a voice because that's just the way I was. Um, yeah. You know, I'm just from a big family and I was the quiet one and I'm from a military family and I went to Catholic school, so I followed rules, you know, a lot of rules. And so I never was the one to 
stand up and fight. Yeah. So when I read, you know, like um, Binti or Zaylee from from uh, Children and Bone or Darrow from Red Rising, Katniss, these names, I do go to bed thinking about, oh, if I had that when I was younger, I could have conquered the world. And instead yeah. of getting sad about it, it actually makes, uh, I'm not sad about it, but it makes me smile because I can see an alternative version of myself. Okay. If that makes any sense. But I don't. There is a long. You know what? There. This is. I never really thought about this, Joseph. There is a longing when I read about these characters of what I could have been. Yeah. If I was stronger. Yeah. You know, it's like the joke I made about campfire time. You know, I've had that conversation with my husband, you know, cocktail time with friends and stuff. (laughs) What are our roles in the apocalypse? Yeah. And (laughs) this is really dark. Um, I've told my husband many times, if there's an apocalypse, I'm just going to lay down and die. (laughs) And he gets really mad. Understandably so. And he's like, you can't leave me alone. I was like, I'm totally going to pull a Shirley's Theron in the road. I'm just going to walk out into the cold naked and die. <laughs> and I, he goes, I would also vote against that. I mean, I, it's, it's your life and your but, choice. Yeah. But. but he's like, why? And I'm like, because I have nothing to offer. You know, of course. And then he disagrees with me. And I understand yeah. what he's saying. I was like, I, you know, I have asthma. I need medication. And I am not. My husband's a leader. You know, yeah. I've never considered myself a leader. I've always considered myself a follower, but an important follower. Very smart. I'm an important follower. And I just, um, so we've had conversations to try to talk me down from that about what my role in the apocalypse would be. And and my husband, the best thing he could come up with is like, well, you're you're organizing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's true. You you say you don't see yourself as a a leader, but almost everything that I do with you, you are the, you're the editor of Geek Girl Authority. You're not one of the correspondents, you Mm -hmm. know. Uh, you are the producer of shows and panels. Yeah. You are the, the facilitator. And you are not a leader in the way of like, if I if you put on a panel, you know, you don't stand in the middle draping yourself in sort of like, my word goes, yeah. I am the most important. You are a leader in a facilitator type way of like, yeah. I want this whole thing to go well. Yeah. So to me... In the apocalypse, I think there there's more need for that, and that's. Uh-huh. I mean, we'll talk about other things other than Walking Dead, but I think that's part of the fascinating problem of Walking Dead. Of like, I don't think they always do a good job of telling the story, but it seems mm-hmm. like Rick Grimes confuses being a leader with being a facilitator because sometimes uh-huh. he gets his ego caught up into it and makes a dumb emotional decision, and really other times dumb. he just yeah, almost constantly. <laughs> and that's just I only mean, thought yeah. of that is just the mechanics of yeah. Uh, this is a really popular show. Uh, yeah. We can't just have him farm yeah. for a season. Oh. Um, <laughs> but th- I'm fascinated with that difference between like our uh, our imagination of a leader who's like, the, they're the strongest, they're mm-hmm. the fastest, they're running in charge mm-hmm. of the big battle. And, this, and the leader who's just like, I'm going to make sure that everything is running on time. I'm not mm-hmm. doing, I'm not, you know, I'm not in charge of marshmallow time. Or swim time, but I'm f- talking to Captain Marshmallow and Captain Swim <laughs> and making sure that they are doing the yeah. things that they're, you know, like yeah. just facilitating. Yeah, I guess so. I think I, it's so fascinating. Um, I have, you know, I deal, deal with a lot of fear issues too. And I just, you know, I, and it, maybe that's another reason I love these characters so much is because of the courage, you know, I mean, courage 
is people who are courageous have fear and still go up against the monsters, you know? And so I, that makes me hopeful. That's part of the hope is knowing that, you know, you know, to bring it outside, I don't want to bring it too down. You know, the, the, the Parkland survivors, they're going up against the Goliaths right now and they're giving me hope. Right. Because they're young, just like the books I like. They're young. Yeah. And and they're not jaded, you know. I've I'm twenty years older well, more than twenty years older than them. But <laughs> you know, I I've had twenty years of life to be yeah. a little jaded sometimes and, and, and seeing young people is inspiring and so reading about young people yeah. is inspiring. Well let me ask you about that specifically because the uh like the Parkland teens in, mm-hmm. in many other groups, uh, I think, you know, younger people involved in, in Black Lives Matter. Uh, a lot of those people have been explicit about you raised us on Harry Potter and Hunger Games and Star Wars where people fight back against dystopian governments and mm-hmm. structures in particular. Mm-hmm. Like, what did you expect? This You've, you've trained us to fight mm-hmm. for what we believe in, which is a fascinating intersection of reality and pop culture. Yeah. But it, the question I want to ask is, you reading all of these things as an adult and all of us reading these things as an adult, what should we be taking at, that we can apply to our real lives? Like literal skill sets or should it really be like we get up in the morning and like uh, I read about what, what is the character's name? Binti? Binti. Yeah. Binti. I read about Binti pushing past her fears in doing mm-hmm. something. So today I'm going to do something as simple as send a tweet that I know is going to bring trolls out. Yeah. But I'm going to fight for the cause a little bit today. Or is it as much as like I'm going to take time and go volunteer somewhere? I think it, it it's both, you know, because um, if I'm understanding your, what you're asking correctly, um, we all have. And that's another thing I like about these books. We all have different makeups. We're not the same. Yeah. And what we were just talking about, the facilitator and, you know marshmallow captain and all that (laughs) we all have different strengths so if you read about katniss or binti or sunny in akata witch sunny is great because she's so insecure and so she's you start the book when she's like 13 or 14 okay and so you're really watching her grow because she's she's an albino and she knows every time she steps out people are gonna look at her right she doesn't have a choice she doesn't have engaged by this yes it never leaves her except oh my god okay oh (laughs) you may have to bring me back to this question the thing about akata witch is that it's not passed down heredit you know like in your bloodline yeah being magic it's passed down in your spirit line yeah so um most people are from a magic family. Their spirit line goes, but but her, none of, no one in her family is magic, but she she finds out that her shunned grandmother is, and that's why um, that's why it got to her, but she's a quote-unquote free agent, so it's actually harder for her to be magic because they look down on free agent. Like, a, yeah. what's uh, Hermione? What is she? Oh, mudblood. mudblood, yeah. Yeah, you know, kind of like yeah. mudblood kind of, kind of thing, but... If you have a physical difference, you're actually a more powerful witch. You're a more powerful magic person. Okay. So, like, that's why they knew she was probably magic because she's albino. And so they're kind of looking at her trying to figure it yeah. out. And so that makes that I, I, I can, I, you know, close a book or rather 
shut off my iPad, <laughs> um, and think, I'm a six foot tall woman with a size 12 shoe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would have been magic in that. And if that's enough to propel me, maybe I can only do a tweet because tweets are scary to me because, like you said, the trolls come out. Yeah. You know, but maybe I could do a tweet or even a retweet. And if that's what I do that day for, for, what I believe my country should be, then that is good and being okay with that. If um, I get up in the morning and I'm, you know, propelled to go volunteer that day and try to make a difference in someone's life, life, then, then I will do that. If I go to the grocery store and I, you know, um, one of the things that we're lacking in society for some people is empathy. And I have, you know, overloads of empathy. I don't know why it's that (laughs) sometimes makes it very hard for me. Um, so that means if I go to the store and for some reason, if I feel that someone's having a bad day, I'm not going to be all weird, but yeah. I'm going to make sure I lock eyes and smile yeah, and say, have a good day, which is not something we do a lot in Los Angeles, you know? So I think it's one day at a time and I don't go through life saying, what would Katniss do, right. you know? Uh, but it does change they it, those books do change the way i look at what i can do okay so you because, are taking yeah, inspiration yeah because if i just read realism for my age and all i do is watch um you know house of cards and all that stuff it's just going to be depressing all the time and i will feel like nothing is worth it right and nothing i can do will ever change anything but if i read this fantasy this dystopian fantasy or this dystopian science fiction then I'm going to feel like I can do something yeah. because they did something. And, you know, it's humanity. We can, let's stop being our own worst enemies. And, you know, my problem is I, I sometimes think that that is very um, idealistic. You yeah. Know? But the, al- the alternative, right, is just exactly. going, this sucks. Yeah. So I'll just read more uh, pop culture stuff, yeah. but uh, ignore all of the actual... Yeah. And that's lessons not, of it and that's not the answer you know yeah. and, and so i think and i think i think ya really helps people understand that that is not the answer and and it just gets so over people it's like you know turning their noses up at you know young adult books because they are so full of hope and they're so full of raw emotions because yeah. young adults are full of raw emotions and they're experiencing things for the first time most of the time they're experiencing things for the first time and they're learning yeah. which is something that we don't do anymore we don't learn when we get to a certain place because i'm super stubborn yeah you know so it's really hard for me to you know sometimes open my mind and these books help me open my mind oh that's awesome yeah yeah yeah, I have a little bit of a complicated question. This will take okay. a, a second to ask, uh, but it kind of relates to what you were talking about. So all these stories that we get to tell, mm-hmm. the heroes are empowered because the dystopia is made clear. Right. And I think a, a lot of people uh, feel like right now we are in, in lots of danger in America with a lot of our basic institutions being questioned, you know, an attack on mm-hmm. the free press and... Mm-hmm desires to control more people and limit more options for more people and all of that. And every day you can go on Twitter and see people saying like, this is a warning bell. We are taking these little steps. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have a sense for yourself or uh, when 
to call something a dystopia that would give you the permission to spring into action. Because that that's something that I've been thinking about a lot today. We like these fantasies where, well, some you, you're living in an awful state, the world pushes you too far, or zombies rose up and the government is gone. Mm-hmm. So you do have to pick up a bow and arrow. You do have to decide, I'm going to be the leader, I'm just going to walk. But these stories are, in a way, comforting because that moment of when to stand up and go no mm-hmm. it, it, the, one of the one of the main big pop culture uh things i can think of that is powerful in this is rogue one because that's actually the stakes in rogue one where jen is coming and saying this death star thing exists mm-hmm. rebel alliance you have to do something and the rest of the rebel alliance even though they've formed a rebel alliance are not ready to take that final step and say it's gone so far that we have to take drastic mm-hmm. action and Mm-hmm. break the plight rules of society yeah um so for your yourself do you have a sense of when you think it's too far like are so you're asking me have i have i gotten to that point where I've, like with society or in one of the books that what do you think yeah what do you think it would take for you to say reality has flipped to being like a dystopian story where i'm one of the first to recognize it's time to yeah do something different oh that is that is a complicated question um yeah and you don't have to have a no, simple um, answer obviously because it's a weird complicated question no but it's very very thoughtful you know i was close to it when i read which is fantasy but it's ya uh this book called Children of Blood and Bone, which I talked about earlier. You know, I read the whole book. It just came out in January, and it was so fun. And there's this character, Zaylee, that's wonderful. And um, I'm so sorry. I can't remember who it's by. And when I got done, I read about the author, yeah. you know, and all that. And there's, like, a note from the author. And while I, was that, I didn't know that she was inspired to write this book, because of black Americans being killed yeah. by cops. And so I was feeling all this joy about this book because it was just, and I knew it was going to be a series and I got done. I was like, oh, I can't re- wait to read the next one. And then I read that and it was like a gut punch. You know, it was like, Audrey, you're escaping in this book when this author wrote it because black Americans are being gunned down. Yeah. You know, you read this to escape from that, yet it was inspired by that. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I don't know what to do about it. I'm in the place where I don't know what to do. I'm feeling strongly. I have strong feelings, rather, after I read these books, but I don't know what to do, Joseph. Yeah. I'm, I'm in that place where a lot of people are where I don't know what to do. I, I, I can close the book and say, yeah, something needs to be done, but... I don't know what that is, and I don't know what to do. I, maybe I'm waiting, you know, it's that whole facilitator thing. Maybe I'm waiting for someone to tell me what to do. Yeah, I think that's what I'm you fascinated know? by, um, that the reality that there's never going to be a moment, mm-hmm. unless an actual zombie apocalypse or aliens come to reality, mm-hmm. there's never going to be a moment where, by nature, a figure of authority stands up and says, like, and now on March 1st, we will be a dystopia. So, yeah. you know, so plan accordingly. If you like arrows, yeah. get those. There'll never be a moment where it shifts naturally. And like with your example, obviously, yeah. for for a lot of black Americans, that, that moment has 
past. Yeah. Society is not functioning for them. They're being yeah. murdered, in yeah. my opinion. And, and, uh, and, and with, in my, you know, and, and this is a word that's used a lot, but it's a very important word, is my because of my privilege, although I'm very upset about it, I'm sitting there going, you know, I it took me reading this woman's um, about page to realize that that's what she was talking about. Yeah. You know, because I'm able to tuck it away. I'm sad about it, but tuck it away. And that's not good enough. Yeah. You know, and like, I think that's a very uh, important point that you made that, yeah, for, for these Americans, that time has come yeah. already. And we are just now noticing it because of whatever blinders we've had on. They've, you know, black Americans have been living with this for hundreds of years. Yeah. You know, so ah, I wish, uh, I do wish I was a stronger person and could like, you know, throw up on my front door and say this is what we need to do. Because it is like a, you know, a frog boiling in water. Yeah. You know, it is like, you know, we're not being told it's, you know, come this August. Yeah. America's done. But there, you know, and um, I think there is, there is such a fine line and why it's, why it's fascinating in the specific time that we're living in. Because I see some tweets, uh, I'm obviously very liberal, but I see mm-hmm. some tweets that are like, okay, calm down, we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think people can jump the gun to being like, this. somebody needs to physically be dragged mm-hmm. out of office. Like, well, we're not quite there yet yeah. where society has, you yeah. know, that, that balance of at what point has society gotten so bad that we have to break the rules of society to fix society, yeah, to, re- to remake yeah. society. And as I told you, it's very hard for me to break rules. Yes, you know, yeah. so that if I if that if I come to that place, it's you know there's going to be a reckoning because Audrey's, yeah. Audrey's breaking rules and she yeah. never never breaks rules. But but you're right. But then at the same time, you turn around and you're like, um, you know, there's talk about limiting the free press. You know, there's there's um, more rights being given to churches and rights being taken away from children. Yeah, I don't you feel know? like we fully and understand the depth of how bad things are yeah, with immigration it's right now. Right now. Yeah. Immigration is, is, is terrible, you know, and, and we, I think we are there and it's scary, you yeah. know, and that's, that's why, you know, that's why I like to escape. And I think that's all, well, I guess what I'm saying here is I'm escaping into these YA dystopian well, books. Yeah, this is know, the, that's the thing to me. I'm is like, I think that that's what's really strong about uh, uh, young activists citing this mm-hmm. pop culture is because there has been, uh, you know, especially if you're a little bit older and a little bit jaded, you got the like, well, I'm, you know, I'm just going to fall in line because we've got corporations with way too much power. They're controlling mm-hmm. the government. And then, mm-hmm. you know, who, who are we to talk about it? Because we turn around, we buy entertainment from them and the entertainment keeps yeah. us. Uh, you're ranking the best Marvel films and yeah. just keeps us satiated and ignoring the real problems. And, you know, there's been times in my life where it's like, yep, I have just become part of this system where, uh, you know, they give me the uh, the entertainment drugs so I don't notice the reality. But what a beautiful subversion that these kids are basically saying like, yeah, those entertainment drugs you gave us to not notice I problems, love that. they taught us to push back on all I problems always. And isn't it wonderful that what's taught them you know the 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 this fiction that's taught them to do that is genre fiction is harry potter yeah is you know these superheroes and and, and such creative and bizarre and human and yeah you know that that they were able to get 
the morality tale from these movies about fight, you know, Voldemort, this fight against he who should not, cannot be named or whatever, yeah. you know, and President Snow. And um, I think that's wonderful. And that makes me very happy, you know, because I remember my stepdaughter, you know, man, she was, so she is one of those. And wouldn't it be cool if you were a kid that was brought up with Harry Potter? We were adults reading yeah. Harry Potter where my stepdaughter got to be, um, to read every book as it as it came, came out, out wow. you know, and that's why you know young women really relate to Hermione and and such. And she's a journalist now, and she's scared. Yeah, she's scared. She's seen all these, you know, newspapers shut down. All these people losing jobs, and if the newspapers aren't shut down, they're being bought out by corporations mm-hmm. with their own objectives. And she's worried, but she's also very, she voices what she thinks. Yeah. You know, she voices what she thinks. She's not afraid to to, to say what's on her mind, which is, um, I think, wonderful because wonderful she's such a good writer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I look at her and I say, you know, she's 25. I was like, you're going to make a difference in this world. And I feel that about a lot of these young people that are, you know, um, Going out to demonstrations yeah. and and writing these, you know, Twitter has, you know, since the last election has become this fascinating thing, not because of the tweeter in chief, but because of um, the threads people do. Yeah. I, I, when Twitter first came out, I never thought I'd be reading basically a whole story yeah. on Twitter <laughs> in like 25 tweets. Yeah. Like- and, and, and so people... Finding ways to use what we have to yeah. fight back. Okay, if people are lost on Twitter, well, I'm going to tweet these 25 tweets to tell you something. Yeah. You know, and so they're using tools that um, are available to them, which is amazing. Yeah. But to bring it back to what you asked, I don't know what the trigger is going to be for me to, to make me even a better human being well that that was not my question is to make well that's where my dark mind took it joseph and i'm gonna be thinking about this all day long so i really appreciate the conversation you're welcome next time i'm just gonna that's gonna be my first question to guess now are you a good human being i'm real curious about that (laughs) i'm I'm just gonna lay down in the apocalypse and go to sleep at the risk of uh being like you said at the risk of being too um positive uh or too hopeful or Uh that uh i realize that this is a, a podcast that wanders between funny, silly comedy, and we're going to get back to yes. more of that and talking about weightier things. And uh-huh. these are deep issues. And if any listeners have any deep thoughts or feel like uh, I misspoke about anything or you want to educate me about anything, by all means, uh, reach out. But I will say, in a positive sense, it is to relate back to your love of the YA dystopia in particular. Mm-hmm. I feel like we are living in a time of we are fighting. It's not that we have just accepted. It's that Twitter in particular, social media, is still alive with this interesting time where every other message is basically, um, uh, our world is in great risk. Uh, We need to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, Here's my theory about Infinity War. Check out my podcast. So I feel like, well, there is this strange uh, Mm -hmm. uh, conflict there, this contrast between those two. To me, that's good because we are... In the fight, yeah, it, we have not accepted it, and we're not letting the fight entirely consume us. Mm-hmm. So it is nothing but rage and darkness. We are also clinging to things that give us joy. Yes, and sharing those. And yes. I feel like 
if we can keep finding that balance, that mm-hmm. is a good thing to me. Yes, I don't feel defeated. Yeah. You know, if I if, if we get to the point where we feel completely defeated, then that's then we're going back to Margaret Atwood territory. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I don't feel defeated and and um just like in you're right, in in, in these books I can stay inspired, you know. Yeah. It's so interesting talking about them out loud because I don't talk about YA with a lot of people. I do on the site on Geek Girl Authority and, yeah. and stuff like that, but not person to person. So, you know, here I am just thinking I'm reading these books for fun, but it's much deeper than that. Yeah. It's I much, so. much deeper than that. Yeah. And that's fascinating. I think Good you... job, Joseph. Oh, well, thank you. Pulling this out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have one other fun question yes. for you. Do you have an actual plan for the zombie apocalypse specifically here in L.A.? That is not just walking <laughs> into a horde of zombies, <laughs> but a, um, a practical approach. You must have thought about this. Yes, I have. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Guy Stevenson, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we not We got a house and his housewarming gift, because he's a believer in the zombie apocalypse, was a machete. <laughs> so we have a machete. Um, my mother gave me she she gave me this um, what looks like a shillelagh kind yeah. of thing. It was like this work of art, and but it's basically something to bludgeon people with. She was stopped at the airport, and she was in Africa, stopped at the airport, going by security, saying, "You can't." travel with that yeah that's a weapon so she had to check it i've got that she checked her shillelagh she checked it so i have that i have and then <laughs> i did buy um this bucket of supplies so you take the supplies out and then you use the bucket as a uh comes with a toilet seat really <laughs> yes you empty that so it's got all this um stuff you put in water to check and then some some freeze-dried stuff and that's as far as we've gotten. We're trying to figure out whose house we go to because our house is on a corner. Yeah. And so I think I'm a little too open. Yeah. You know, because I've thought about putting stakes around the corner, you know, to stop <laughs> the zombies from coming in. But then, you know, I, I, it's also easy pickings for a human to come in and yeah. say, what's going on here? You know, so we haven't quite figured out where we're going to go. But we have figured out, you know, we got a solar-powered backpack. Oh, wow. Yeah, that I got a few years ago and that charges stuff. Okay. You know, I don't know how it works, so if it breaks, I'm fucked. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's another thing is my husband and I are artists and writers. So our survival skills aren't very good. And so uh, we need to find someone with survival skills. You know what you have that a lot of people don't right now? You have hope and a machete. <laughs> So I think you're doing pretty good. I do. I do. (laughs) We're going to move on to our how obsessed are you questions. These are questions I ask all my guests over all the episodes of Obsessed. Do you think about dystopian stories every day? Yes. 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 And is that just because you were reading them so much? (laughs) Yes. I have two books going at all times. One is my Audible book that I listen to in traffic, and one is the book I read at night. 
Okay. So, so. Already, yeah. That's that's uh, the point where I'm getting uh, with uh, my wife. Where I'm like, yeah. uh, are you reading a physical book, a yeah. pad book, phone yeah. book? Yeah, what's you know, going like, on? <laughs> I have one for every part of the house. Yes, yeah. the book that just scrolls down in the inside of your contacts <laughs> so you can read it while you're pretending to talk to people. Which book? <laughs> I need that. Yeah, that'd be pretty great. That would be the downfall of society. <laughs> that would totally be. We would just like check out uh-huh. while everything crumbles around us yeah did you see the google demonstration of their new assistant that can like fake human conversation enough to make appointments the big demonstration was that it made a haircut appointment and it's you know it's like alexa or siri but it's got a little bit more um so would 10 a.m work Oh my god. Yeah. So that's I think that's where we're heading. AI. We'll have little voice boxes that are programmed. Now that is to talk something to I don't read is AI because it freaks me out. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It freaks me out. <laughs> we'll stay in our freaked out about dystopian <laughs> stories. If you're trapped in an elevator with four other people, how long would it take for dystopian stories to come up in conversation? Oh. I am going to say it would probably take about seven minutes for me to kind of vet them. Okay. <laughs> to see if they're, if I'm going to drop a, a Hunger Games reference, if they're going to get it. Yeah. You know, because I've done that before where I drop a reference and I just get like this blank stare, like, what the hell are you, are you talking about? But so I'll say seven minutes. Seven minutes. Okay. Seven minutes. And if only if they're cool enough. Only if they're cool enough. Yeah. Okay. Unless, wanna... and then maybe at 15 minutes where it's just like, oh, the fire department has, is going to have to come. I can say anything I want. Maybe it'll change. <laughs> and then maybe it becomes Lord of the Flies. I don't know. Okay, we'll, yeah. We'll, it's an the, opportunity in, to in build a society. Yeah. yeah in the, in, we'll build a society in the elevator. Oh, yeah. That happens yeah. fast. Someone's in charge of the buttons. Yeah. Someone's in charge of the doors. You go in some of those elevators yeah. at conventions that I know, you, yeah. like you, Dragon Con, you spend you know yeah. 20 minutes waiting, exactly. and then you get on an elevator with these 11 people, yeah. and then that's your society for the yeah. next 15 minutes. It's, it's scary. There'd have to be like a no fart rule, which I know is very hard because you can't control your farts, but it's just like, look, the air's not circulating. You s- just suck it in. Yeah. Yeah. Suck it in. Yeah. All right. Uh, good lesson for the apocalypse. Suck it in. <laughs> Would you drive a van that had I Love Dystopian Stories airbrushed on the side? Yes, I would. <laughs> is that just because you like vans with yeah, airbrushing? Yeah, well, I grew up in the 80s. We had a van, and all I can think of is this 80s van, and it's airbrushed. I saw it clearly and immediately, like a beautiful <laughs> airbrush, and then maybe... Um, have Katniss and her her bow and arrow, oh, you know, her yeah. bow on it. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's yeah. That's a real warning sign. Like, don't mess with me don't too much, society, because exactly. I will push back. I took archery lessons after Hunger Game, but then someone stole my bow. <laughs> That's really sad. It is because I was pretty getting really good, good at it. Yeah. You know where do they steal your bow from? We 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 think the Russian movers that moved us to our new house. Just stole it because like, we were so busy moving in, we stopped our archery lessons for a few months. And then we went to go get our bows yeah. and arrows, and they weren't there anymore. And they were expensive. Like we invested money in them, yeah, and everything. And, and these are these were nice. These like, were really expensive, fitted for my height. Ooh, bows, and we had a target and everything that we were. Yeah. We, would, we would go and have. I don't know if this is a good idea, but we would have wine and do target practice <laughs> in the backyard. So wine and arrows. Oh my yeah. god, talk about privilege, Jesus! What am I? <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to ask this because I was going to ask it earlier. If you were in a dystopian story yourself, 
and you did get a weapon of choice. You've mentioned some yeah. that you have in real life, yeah. machetes and whatnot. You trained with a bow, mm-hmm. but just in that fantasy version that it's like even like Mad Max cyberpunk dystopia. Yeah. When you picture yourself as the hero, what weapon do you have? I would say the bow and arrow, not just because Katniss had a bow and arrow or Hawkeye has yeah. a bow and arrow. They're or so something. hot right now, bow and arrows. Or yeah. you know, or any of that. Um, more of Artemis. Yeah, kind of thing. It's always been very intriguing to me, and it, and I've always thought about archery just because it's supposed to be really good for people with height. And yeah, it um like it takes so much concentration, which you're not going to have all that time yeah. in the apocalypse defending yourself. But you know, get some other people that are more skilled at the close up stuff. Yeah, and if I do archery, <laughs> I can take care of, and then I don't have to see the life go out of the eyes of the people I kill. <laughs> I, can, I can pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> you have thought about this. You're Captain Close-Up. I'm going to be Captain Faraway. <laughs> Don't tell me about the light fading from the eyes. <laughs> All right, we'll move on. Would you go to a dystopia-themed escape room? Oh, my goodness. Um, escape room, yes. Yeah. For a minute, um, it, uh, I... the. I thought like a real hardcore one, but no, like a fun escape room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. would. I think I may do better in that because I do so bad like in the Lovecraft ones and yeah. uh, like the pandemic ones and stuff like that. I mean, I would think that I'd be good at escape rooms, but because I'm so, you know, analytical and stuff, but there's so many little tricks and stuff, yeah. you know. I've only ever won escape rooms, but... Because of the people I was with, because okay. of teamwork. So maybe I facilitated everybody. <laughs> I maybe, think you maybe facilitated that's... the hell out of it. But yeah, I've never been to a dystopian one. That's yeah. a good idea. I uh, bet they're out there. Oh, I'm sure. I think yeah. there's kind of an escape room for everything yeah. at this point. They're blowing up them escape rooms. Yeah. Would you fight with a friend or family member who said dystopian stories were stupid? I would have a conversation with them. Okay. Yes. I it takes a them... lot to escalate a fight for you, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, but if somebody just flat out said stupid, I would have a couple words. They'd be polite. Yeah. You know, like, have you read them? Yeah. First of all, because usually the answer is going to be no. Yeah. And, you know, tell me why. And then I'd give my opinion. The thing is with my friends and family is, like, I get along with them. I get along with my family. So it's not going to be like this... (laughs) You know, blowout fight. It'd be a very polite conversation. There'd yeah. be hugs involved. <laughs> a polite and, disagreement. And I don't let's let's agree to disagree. You but you're have, wrong. Yeah. I will say that. I will take a stand, but you're wrong. You have an opportunity yeah. to learn, family yeah. member. I mean my family is I mean, they've they've accepted me being the editor in chief of Geek Girl Authority. They don't yeah. quite understand it. But, yeah. you know. Well, it's got the word authority right in yeah, the title. That's so it <laughs> <laughs> tells you how the conversation is going to go. Exactly. It's not Geek Girl, what's your input? It's Geek Girl Authority. authority. <laughs> if Katniss Everdeen was real and had a GoFundMe, would you support it? Yes. <laughs> yes. I would totally fund it. I mean, we we knew she was Katniss. Yeah. 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 You know. She's for real. And she's like, I need yeah. money for more arrows. Yeah. Because I am fighting yeah. for freedom. You know. Um, and then, like, after she took down President Snow, she's like, I'm basically having to go fund me for all of Pan Am. Yeah. We need to build our society back. And yeah. Then, and then, yeah, I would give it. I would give her the money. I mean, she brought down. She, she caused a revolution. Yeah. She brought down the power. Yeah. And that's another thing that I hope we start getting more stories of. It, yeah. Right now, that's 
what they're claiming they're doing with Walking Dead. And this is not a huge spoiler. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they claim they're getting into the story of rebuilding. And I am so eager to see that be part of this whole dystopian story of like, we get to see these characters wrestle with this morality of like, how do how do we live as humans? Do we kill people? Do we jail them? How do we work without institutions? But yeah. I th- I want to start getting back to that. Like me too. Who, okay. Me too. Uh, what if what if we do make s- a prison? Yeah. Who yeah. who's in charge of that? And they planted a couple seeds this season. Yeah. Like, you know, I wish we'd seen more of it. But um, yeah, yeah, because the re- yeah, the rebuilding. Yeah, I mean, Battlestar. That was a little bit of what they did. You uh-huh. know, of, but that was more trying to cling to. Mm-hmm. what had existed yeah i want to see more stories of like well it's all gone what are we gonna make now what you, how are we gonna start this yeah is it gonna be the same is it gonna be yeah. different yeah and how are some people gonna you know because i think a lot with our society too especially in the states is people being willing to say i'm not gonna have as much as i used to yeah and that's the big problem yeah people you know, who are used to say they have money or they have always had the clothes they wanted or always had some kind of power. They were always a boss or, or, or you know, um, getting people to say, okay, we're here for each other. I'm not in charge now. Like the whole, you know, we keep going back to Walking Dead. What's his name? Hilltop guy with the beard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who's- uh, Gregory? Is it Gregory? Yeah, I think it's Gregory. Yeah, he yeah. keeps, he's just a the weasel. Loser. A weasel. <laughs> the loser weasel. The yeah. loser weasel, you know, he just wants to be in charge of something and, yeah. you know. Yeah, and he wants his yeah. alcohol that he yeah. likes. And, yeah. yeah, he's a yeah. loser weasel. Anyway, sorry, I got us distracted from my own How Obsessed Are You question. <laughs> Would you buy and eat novelty dystopian story cereal? Ooh. It's like if you're going to the grocery store and it's the sort of like new all hope is lost chunks. Um, Crunches, not chunks. Chunks. Please don't be chunks. <laughs> well, I guess that's really dystopian if the cereal is well, called chunks. <laughs> probably not because I don't eat cereal, but if it was granola, because I eat, <laughs> I eat granola cereal, okay. and that would be really good because it's nature, right? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, what, so yeah. That, what if it was like, uh, like, like it, this is what you would eat? But yeah. then it'd be probably terrible. Yeah. But yeah. What, yeah so let, let's so play the question it? that way. If it was like, if, if Walmart, not even Walmart, because I don't like Walmart, but, but like Whole Foods, what if uh, Whole, Whole Foods started selling uh, rations, survival <gasps> rations to eat the way you might in the apocalypse? I think that'd be a great, my husband and I would probably experiment, like try it at least once. Yeah. We, I'm sure we would hate it, but at least we would be prepared for what it's going to taste like, what the future is going to taste like. What the future is going to taste like. It suddenly flashed in my mind. I'm sure there are. I'm sure you can just construct that. I'm sure there are products like that. But if that became like a really popular thing, like it popped up that there were like survival stores, I bet people would just go, it would just become like a fad diet of like, yeah, I did two weeks of survival diet. And look at my figure. (laughs) Yeah. I've got these apocalypse thighs now and they're so good. Apocalypse. Thighs. You get the, they give you the thigh gap, the natural way, the apocalyptic way. Would you be more or less likely to vote for a political candidate who talked about dystopian stories all the time? Yes. Now, do you want, yeah, go ahead. Well, I guess it depends on the way I answered quickly, the way they talk about him. Is he that family member that says they're stupid? Or does he say, look, there's a point to these stories. Let's avoid it. Yeah. What's well, like, you know one of the things I liked about President Obama, it was like a nice little plus is he's a Star Trek fan. He yeah. likes Superman. You know, Seven Eves, the book I mentioned, yeah. you know, that was on his reading list one year after I read it. And I'm like, oh my God, that was on his reading list. 
hanging gloves. Okay. Because it, yeah. So I think to me, that means that you have broadened your mind. Yeah. You know, and the fact that, that you do read. Yeah. Is a plus. Yeah. I think that would be really fascinating yeah. to, to see a politician so fully embrace popular culture yeah. in particular and be like, yeah, my, he, my campaign is no Hunger Games in America. Like, yeah. let that, I'm That'd be so running on that. Interesting because even like what President Obama liked was older stuff. You yeah. Know? So it wasn't like, hey, Harry Potter, Hunger Games, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I wonder how that would yeah. play. I would be intrigued for sure. It would be, a, you know, maybe not. I'm fascinated to see how, how much we can start to meld pop yeah. culture into everything. He should come, or he or she should go to a rally at San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It fascinates and frightens me a little bit. <laughs> They'd get 90,000 people at yeah. the rally. Yeah. Well, here's with it. lightsabers and. <laughs> yeah. The teaser trailer for my full trailer for my campaign. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, final helps us are your question. If you're about to read the only copy of like the next in a dystopian series that you really like, but a bear stole it, would you try to get it back from the bear? No, I'd be too scared. I'd have to send one of my lieutenants to do it. <laughs> so you would facilitate. And I'll uh, meet you back at the campfire after you got it back. You would send Captain Bear. There'd be yeah. somebody assigned to deal with bear yeah. theft. Exactly. And if there's no one to do it, I would have to consider the book lost. Okay. Yes. I concede to the bear. Would you then do fan fiction and write your own completion to the story? If, um, so... I have no access to getting, like, I can't go to Amazon and get another book. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's it's just not available to me. Yeah, because I have a pretty big imagination. Like, yeah. I am constantly daydreaming. Like, if I'm not listening to a book in my car, I am daydreaming about characters <laughs> in some kind of, on a different planet. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, yeah, I would. I don't know if I'd share it with anybody, but I would definitely daydream okay. about how the book would continue. <laughs> After I was sad and cried a bit. <laughs> so maybe the bear would bring a gift, ultimately. Yeah, maybe if the bear saw me crying, he'd want to come. <laughs> and then we'd be friends. See, you fanfictioned this question. <laughs> Already. <laughs> came and up we... with the resolution. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ask everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What noise uh, for dystopian oh, stories? For dystopian stories? Um, oh, my gosh. You know me. I'm not. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, you can just feel it. What, what, when, you, when you're really enjoying a book, what's the kind of noise that would come out of you? <sighs> that's how i feel when i close a book and yeah i fight sleep yeah by reading my books okay because i don't want to fall asleep and i i my husband falls asleep reading i don't okay so if you're still looking at those words you are not going to fall asleep yeah wow so i have to wait like i'll look ahead in the book to find the next chapter and i'll count the pages okay so i know in my head okay you can make it five pages you can make it ten pages and then i close it before i close my eyes <sighs> Nice. You just let it all out yeah. and fall into slumber. That yes. is beautiful. Yes. All right. I ask everyone to rate their own obsessions. So uh, on a scale of one to seven, seven being the highest, one being the lowest, how obsessed do you think you are with dystopian stories? I w this is high. I would say like a 6.5. Okay. Yeah, it is, is dominating is, your, yeah. your reading time. It is dominating your thought process. It is. Right now it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And for the most part, you're feeling like it is a positive thing yes yes um it's there's parts of it where it's like audrey you need to live life now <laughs> yeah okay you know but it's a positive thing 
going back to the hope and everything, I, I love it. Yeah. You know? And I love uh, being inspired by the characters. Awesome. Or I'm happy for them. Yeah. If, if I'm not getting out there and changing the world, you know, um, at least I can be happy for these because I really believe in them. You know, yeah. They're written well. I really can get to a place where I believe in them and I'm really happy for them because I believe that there are people like them out in the world. Yeah. And yeah. I know that they, they are going to win. Yeah. And you're championing uh, the authors as well, right? Yes. By uh, reading them, talking about yes. them, introducing them to other people. Absolutely. And then I go back to the authors. Like, I, this is, I'm on my fifth Nettie Okurafor book. Wow. This is my fifth one since January. Damn. Yeah. You're I, on fire. I, I, she's so good. And you guys read her. I mean, she's she's blowing up. She's um, She just did, oh my God, she just wrote the latest I'm sorry if I got this wrong, but the latest Black Panther oh. comic book. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Cool, that's yeah. great. Yeah, and she's um, yeah, she's getting a lot of stuff now, and she's she's a professor, and she I think she got hurt something or she hurt her back or something okay. like that, and so she started writing. Yeah, and that's oh. how she got into all this. She was I think she was already had was already an English major. I could be getting yeah. this wrong, but you know, yeah, she took something where, you know, she was immobile you know couldn't do anything yeah and she made the most of it and now she's a best-selling author that know? is incredibly inspiring yeah i'm gonna go hurt my back on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> i can throw you off your balcony i'll help <laughs> i can have someone do it i'm gonna go All knock right. on your neighbor's door <laughs> get them to do it yeah yeah uh well that is awesome i'm definitely gonna check out uh her work and audrey yes can you tell people where they can find you on social media and then if you happen to have anything to plug <laughs> <laughs> I think I might. Um, you can find me at Audrey Kearns. It's K-E-A-R-N-S on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'd love for you to check out geekgirlauthority.com for all your pop culture and geek culture news and reviews. And like I said, um, just like we were talking about in this podcast, I really aim for the site to be full of joy. So you're not going to find a lot of anger there. Um, at geekgirlauth on Twitter, geekgirlauthority on Instagram and tumblr and on may 15th tuesday in los angeles for 10 bucks there's a story collider show yeah. where you can see five awesome storytellers tell personal true enlightening fun stories about science yeah yeah everything from burning man to scuba diving to exciting uh, hollywood q a's gone uh-huh. awry all sorts of different and, exciting and stories vaginas and vaginas yes we have uh, a, a vagina stories so you know come on down and then you get to see me and joseph host a show together which we're i'm very we've been on so many panels together yeah and stuff but we've never hosted a show today. no we have not yeah this will be great yeah fun. we've been on stage so many times together but not in this capacity so it's going to be a really fun thing and awesome. we're going to tell a story too so. we are yeah and we're going to find out what that is because we don't so know as we record a, this we're having a meeting right after this <laughs> so many truths in this podcast <laughs> Here's some quick plugs for this show before our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast that I co-host called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff, upcoming shows like Story Collider, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Go to that live shows page. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to our monthly patron-only bonus episode where my wife Sarah and I talk about 
something we are obsessed with in the moment. For full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, final weird questions. Right. You ready? Mm-hmm. If you could shoot one of these two things out of your hands, which would you choose? Lightning. If I can, wait, wait, sorry. If I can, okay. Oh, okay, if I shoot, shoot them out of my hands. Shoot okay. it out of your hands. Okay. Lightning or print drink? Lightning. Lightning. Yes. Okay. Is that just uh, to empower you? Is that your love yes. of fantasy? It's to empower me. Um, I wouldn't get dirty and I'd look better. <laughs> Print trick would be a mess, wouldn't yes. it? Yeah. I don't know why in my mind I pictured it as clean cartridges, but no, it would probably. <laughs> you know, it'd drip again on my shoes. Yeah, gross. You know? Lightning flies. <laughs> yeah. Fries your enemies. <laughs> seems fun. It could probably help me fly too if I use it the right. If I can harness it. Oh yeah, you can just give yourself a little lightning bolt. Yeah, yeah a little lightning yeah. jump. But with the Why printer not? ink, if it was like brain to printer ink, maybe I could write quicker if it was that. Oh yeah, interesting. interesting. But no, lightning, lightning. You could still write with lightning. Just burn your name. <laughs> just burn it <laughs> into a hilltop, into a mountainside. <laughs> <laughs> Which of these would you rather have? One hundred percent free airline travel for life. Or the actual ability to fly with your own human body? The airline travel, because I need to bring my luggage. <laughs> and sometimes I get tired, so I'm going to need to eat yeah. and everything. Yeah, and it'd have to be first class. If they didn't give me first class lifetime, then I'm just going to fly myself. You're just going to fly yourself. Yeah. I love that after talking about all of this fantasy, shooting lightnings <laughs> out of your hands, lightning, you're like, no, 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 I got baggage. I, I got baggage. <laughs> In so many ways, I have baggage. <laughs> all right, an excellent segue to our final question. What is happiness? I, I can be cheesy. Oh, yeah. I, happiness is... is my husband's smiling at me. Aww. You know, it's when it, happiness to me is getting a belly laugh from my husband, which I, <laughs> I do every day. And that's not necessarily a thing. People don't know me for being, well, I mean, you know me really well, but like a lot of acquaintances don't know me for being, you know, really um, outgoing and funny. Yeah. But I am. I keep it in the house <laughs> for some reason. And I make him belly laugh like a few times a day. And. It just brings, that makes me happy. That is a great, beautiful yeah. little answer. It's, yeah. it's uh, heartwarming and true. So yeah. thank you so much for coming and doing the podcast. I enjoyed it, Joseph. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Good. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. All right, Audrey, one more question. Yeah. In the past, uh, when we've been on podcasts together, we've talked about your inhaler. You bring an inhaler sometimes yes. to podcast recordings in yes. case you need it. So that would be a requirement for you to have an inhaler in the apocalypse. Would you want a weaponized inhaler that had oh, like a sword goodness. coming out of the other end? Could the sword itself, and the sword itself, oh my goodness, I love this. Is it made of mist? <laughs> Is it made of the albuterol mist? Yes. Oh my goodness, I have an albuterol mist sword. Yeah. So as I'm fighting, because sometimes you get exercise induced yeah. asthma, and then we're in the wilderness and my, you know, it's I, I'm allergic to everything. Yeah. I'm allergic to grass and trees mostly, which is everywhere. <laughs> so I'm gonna be getting asthma as I fight and I'm I get asthma from being too cold. Yeah. So and it's like say super cold. So I'm you know, as I'm fighting with my Sword, I'm getting asthma attacks, but it's constantly giving me the albuterol. I'm just suck it in. Yeah. And then it rematerializes. I really like. <laughs> I like that.
<laughs> Watch out for uh, Andre's deadly albutasword. Albutasword, I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs>